Welcome to this edition of IFLR's Closing Conditions podcast. My name is Carrie Lai, Interim Managing Editor at International Financial Law Review. My guest today will be Bashar Al-Natur, Global Head of Islamic Finance at Fitch Ratings. I'll be talking to Bashar about ESG Sukuk, regulatory developments in green Islamic finance, and its outlook for COP27. It's good to have you with us, Bashar. Thank you very much for having me. To start off, let's talk about ESG Sukuk. While it makes up 2.6% of global outstanding Sukuk, Fitch expects its share to rise to 5% in the coming years. What are factors that you think will help mainstream ESG Sukuk? I think that's a good point to start with. Uh, this is the percentage uh, from the global Sukuk. Uh, so it, it's all currencies, all maturities. Uh, and I think the, 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 if you zoom in in different uh, pockets, i.e. if you look at US dollar or other pockets, the percentage could be different. So for that, and, and, and specifically for this, the, the, the key drivers are three things. First, you have many governments uh, in uh, Muslim uh, majority countries and specifically in the top 10 Islamic uh, finance countries that started uh, their own uh, uh, strategies, uh, roadmaps, uh, agendas to tackle with the sustainability and ESG on the ground level. And this is something that is at the back of many of these countries being actually the most exposed to such risks. Uh, So uh, it's not something that they're doing because it is only uh, good to have. Uh, There is an actual need for it. Uh, So based on a climate change physical risk risk exposure heat map ranking that Fitch done last year, uh, six of the the, 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 the the five of the six uh, GCC countries actually are in the top 10 uh, when it comes to extreme temperature and drought exposure. And this is out of 114 countries. That is very high. Other countries are not far off when it comes to that. In other uh, aspects, yes, GCC could not uh, maybe historically deal with this straightforward. I think now they're realizing that they need to deal with this uh, in a more uh, systematic way and part of their agenda. It's not only GCC. You have countries like Malaysia, Indonesia, and, 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 and other countries that are starting to also realize that this is something that we need to deal with. Some started earlier, some started on the financing side rather than on the actual uh, goals itself and strategies. So these countries are at various degrees. So uh, the the key driver is, if you look at the OIC countries, which is the Organization of Islamic Corporation, 57 countries, they they are on various levels of how they want to pursue this and the priority of this matter uh, varies from one country to another. However, in the countries where Islamic finance is active, specifically the GCC, this is definitely something that is becoming on a higher trend. Secondly, if you look at the funding diversification and many of these countries trying to diversify their funding, uh, specifically if you look at oil exporters, they want to do more of the funding and develop their capital market funding and capital market capabilities in general, this, they, they started looking at uh, ESG when they are considering raising funds, uh, whether it's sovereign, supras or corpus of financial institution. 
the interesting trend in that that when the these countries or many of these countries went wanted to actually raise these funds the option of raising ESG related came on top of sukuk uh, rather than in top of a, a bond what does that really mean so i'm talking about q3 figures in the gcc countries 77% of uh, hard currency esg sukuk outstanding is actually in a sukuk format and the remaining is in a bond format this indicates that the the the, the choice of raising funds through esg comes come came on the, on top of uh, uh, islamic finance instrument rather than uh, a conventional one definitely there will be an expansion on both side but i think the islamic finance and and, and sukuk specifically will be a, a preferred format to attract a wider investor uh, base so you will have the islamic investor on one hand and you're attracting on top of that the esg sensitive international investors and that's building into their case and i think that is the second important driver the third driver is uh, many of these countries even before esg wanted to do, to 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 Uh, diversify uh, their resources and, and, and look at other and widening their economies uh, other than oil. And that is something that is also helping and, and, and supporting the agenda for sustainability and what have you. So if we are looking at the top three, I think these are the top three key drivers when it comes to ESG and Islamic finance in these countries. That's great. Um, in terms of some of the issues with um, ESG products, greenwashing is probably one of the issues that come at the top. And where do you see the role of uh, standardization to help with issues such as greenwashing? I think when you, when you bring the issue of standardization, there is two dimensions to it. First, there is actually standardization. Do we have standardization in Islamic finance, let alone ESG? And I think if you've been in the industry if you've been watching the industry i think that is something that is putting a burden and a limitation on the expansion of the industry and it needs much more needs to be done that and here i'm talking about islamic finance and and its own fundamentals rather than esg if you add the esg dimension i think the, the picture becomes more complex because in many of these countries where islamic finance is active the actual emergence of whether capital market or esg is still relatively new so you still have some initiatives on developing frameworks some initiatives on having the right structure and infrastructure to uh, accommodate uh, with our islamic finance or esg but it's not yet that they are developed so the 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 level of transparency is something that is still developing it's a relatively new story to more advanced countries when it comes to ESG so i would say this is something that uh, is still at an early stage of developments and we are watching that space there is a lot of countries that announced uh, plans to establish framework some of them have frameworks like uh, or a certain type of framework uh, so if you look at uh, some of the the the, the asian countries like malaysia Indonesia, they have certain elements that they've been looking at for, I would say, a longer period compared to their GCC counterparties. But I think in general, it continues to be a, 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 an emerging, developing story when it comes to transparency, regulations, reporting, and the, the, the way that ESG or Islam, Islamic finance is standardized. Yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of some of the innovation that we've seen in regulatory developments, what have been some of the innovations and examples that have helped to drive the sector forward? Uh, 
That's an interesting dimension because if many of these countries started to realize that there is things that is already embedded in the Islamic finance side that they can capitalize on uh, from an ESG dimensions. And here, let me maybe just simplify it into uh, three key uh, dimensions. So if we are looking at negative filtering, that's one. Secondly, impact, that's two. And thirdly, structure. So if we look at negative filtering, if you're doing an Islamic finance transaction, you already have uh, the de facto of uh, alcohol being uh, avoided, uh, gambling being avoided, tobacco being avoided, pornography being avoided. So it's a automatic uh, tick list when it comes to that side of negative filtering. And I think that's an important one. The thing that I keep saying in, in many of my talks is if I am looking at a presentation in, in, in any of the Western centers, you will have a slide with alcohol being crossed, tobacco being crossed, pornography being crossed, women's being crossed. And I just say, okay, let's go back to that slide. Islamic finance has already this embedded in. So that is, I think, where Islamic finance is, is having an advantage. If you look at the impact, I think here there is a lot that can be done, whether on innovation side or even on, on basic side. But here, the impact side, I think, the, 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 if you're looking at environment, it needs a specific agenda and a specific target, which is still developing you know, on the issuer and on the investor side. But what, what, what you have maybe on the social side is, and I think here where the story of innovation becomes more interesting is, Many people in the Islamic finance industries in the past few years started looking at what Islamic, ha Islamic finance has. So they call it Islamic social finance. And what do we have within the Islamic for, uh, social finance DNA that can be utilized to uh, uh, and, and translated into uh, ESG and SDGs and what have you. And this is interesting because you already have zakat there. You have already waqf there. You have a lot of charity, you have a lot of uh, uh, mechanisms that are built in that can actually allow you to be more social by just being Islamic finance. And this is something that, I mean, the discussion started even at, at the level of some CEOs when COVID started, where many of, of the regulators took a stand and asked banks to, be, to, to, to ease the burden of uh, uh, corporates and, 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 and individuals uh, in terms of loan and, and, and give them grace periods and not uh, uh, penalize them for delinquency. The Islamic finance industry said and came back, or some of them came and said, okay, we actually already don't have delinquency interest. And even if we have delinquency interest, we already give that to charity. And there was a realization that there is actually more that can be innovated within the Islamic finance industry itself just to create awareness for the broader audience of ESG, responsible finance, ethical finance, to say we have many of these things embedded in. And here I'm talking about impact, which is the second dimension. There is much more that can be done. So I think the industry is in a phase of realization that do we want to pursue that path and see how we can benefit from this global trend and become appealing to more than the Islamic uh, finance sensitive uh, audience and become more relevant to the ESG or the ethical or the responsible uh, uh, finance economy or not. And this is something that I, I think needs a lot of work, needs a lot of uh, communication to build awareness first and to have the right strategy. So I think you will need to look at 
top-down or bottom-up approaches. Top-down, I mean having governments uh, making it clear what is their target when it comes to responsible uh, finance and ethical finance and, 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 and what have you. And then these institutions or, or even government linking their objectives to Islamic finance to say, okay, and from the Islamic finance uh, uh, leg, we are doing this and this and this, and that pans out and, and it falls under the, the agenda of SDGs. Uh, there is a lot of talk about that when it comes to actual implementation and materialization of these uh, uh, visions, I would say. In the ground, it become, it, it is still limited, uh, but uh, we are watching that space and seeing if there is actual concrete steps uh, to take that forward. Countries like Malaysia have, uh, were, uh, started actually a few years back looking at Maqasid al-Sharia and, and, and trying to, which is the value base of Islamic finance and how that links to the broader aspects of, 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 of what are you trying to achieve rather than on, on not only how you do it. That is something that's there, but uh, I think it's developing. So I've talked about the first two dimensions, which is negative uh, filtering. The second one is impact. The third one is structure. And here, I think the story becomes also more complex because Islamic finance, even if you have the first two, that's not enough for a transaction to qualify as Islamic finance. You need to have the right structure and format to make the Sukuk Sharia compliant. And that is something that is, is, is specific to Islamic finance, and you need to have that done in a certain way, let alone your impact and negative filtering, to qualify for Islamic finance. And that is an additional mile that needs to be considered when you're dealing with Islamic finance. If we add to that your previous question saying, okay, what do we have uh, on standardization and, 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 and how is that panning out within the Islamic finance uh, arena or ESG in these countries, I think it's there is still, still more that needs to be done for this to, 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 to become a more, I would say, easier and, 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 and approachable uh, path for many of the stakeholders within uh, these countries. Mm, very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I guess in terms of, um, from an issuer's perspective, what sorts of challenges do you usually see? You mentioned um, quite a bit about the, the specific structure that's needed, um, building awareness. Um, what do you see as the main, I guess, um, factors that would need to push um, for more issuers to, to actually issue more ESG Sukuk? Okay, an excellent question. There is a lot of dimensions on that, and let me try to, to put them all in a very simple way. So I think the first thing is for these in, issuers, specifically in the OIC countries or even the top Islamic finance countries, you need to have the incentive for them to go into that sector. And that is something that is not yet there in a big way. We have, again, examples, and I keep citing Malaysia because they started early, but other countries, they don't have that. So for an, uh, issuers to, to start to think, to go through that path, they need to have a driver. And the current driver that we have specifically for non-government issuers is actually attracting the wider international ESG-related investors. And this is what they are really pursuing. So the majority of non-government-related ESG issuance in the regions where Islamic finances are active came on top of Sukuk, as I said before. and. It, it was trying to maintain the wider pool by including the Islamic finance investor 
and attract the international ESG sensitive investor. So the key driver for them to go the extra mile, take the extra time to embed all of that is actually to attract the, 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 the ESG sensitive international investor. I keep saying international investors because we don't have in many of these countries uh, a, a, a substantial local or regional ESG sensitive investors. The one that are really driving the industry comes from the international side rather than from the regional and local side. With the regional and local side, the ESG-related investors and sustainable investors continues to be, I would say, limited but developing, but not that significant. So this is why they say, okay, we'll attract the Islamic investors and then attract the international ESG-sensitive investors on top of that. So that's the key driver. But we've also started seeing some government, and as I said before, having in their uh, strategies developmental plans and objectives for sustainability, ESG, green environment, etc. And that is creating something new if it's really materialized in the medium to, to long term. It is creating a funding gap. So there will be projects or more projects that needs to be financed in that, that relates to ESG and sustainability and, 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 and the uh, ethical side of it, where Islamic finance is going to be play a significant role in that. That's the top top down that I was talking about. With governments now establishing these goals, it means that if these plans are translated into uh, actual reality, there will be more projects. These more projects will require a bigger funding need, and that funding need will be partly covered by Islamic finance. So it's an interesting story to watch and see how fast and how the momentum of such plans of the of, of many of these governments uh, with Islamic finance translated in the ground and creating that funding gap, thus encouraging issuers on one hand to go to the market and issue and have investors that are interested in this. So it's, it's an interesting space to watch. Yeah, definitely. So with COP27 coming up next month and global leaders gathering in Egypt, what do you see as the key discussions and policy direction for green Islamic finance to watch? I think, I mean, at this stage, the Islamic finance continues to be a side story rather than a main story when it comes to, to, to ESG. I, what, does, what do I mean by that? I mean that it is how Islamic finance can contribute to these goals and that would be driven by institutions or by uh, governments that have an agenda for Islamic finance rather than the other way around, i.e. Islamic finance driving the whole discussion of, 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 of that. So it will be the initiatives of many of the stakeholders that have also an interest in Islamic finance to see how they can combine both of them, if there is commonalities, and move ahead with these two I would say, uh, uh, products to generate objectives related to their sustainability uh, strategies. Uh, so at the end of the day, I would say it is definitely going to be tackled because we're having this one done in Egypt. The second one is going to be done in Dubai. And in, the, in, in, in Dubai, for example, the Islamic finance industry and the Islamic finance landscape is, is more developed than Egypt. But... Again, you have all the international players, whether supras and government that have the agendas will drive that discussion to some extent in Egypt, but it might be more driven and more uh, focused on where you have the actual stakeholders on the ground being more substantial. So I, I would say the key discussions related to Islamic finance, it will be how can it serve 
the bigger objective rather than the focus of the discussion being inside finance itself. Yeah, for sure. So amid continued volatilities in the market, what's your outlook on the ESG circuit market? I think in the past uh, a few years, uh, we had, I mean, COVID, for example, and that was by itself is 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 not easy times. And even during that time, uh, since two thousand and eighteen, and until even the recent quarters, the ESG Islamic finance uh, related with a. Sukuk, whether ESG-related, sustainable, green, or or social, has been growing, and I think that trend is going to continue. Uh, that is going to continue because, as I said, there there is an actual agenda of these governments to uh, pursue objectives related to ESG, which is going to create a funding gap, which is going to be translated at one point in time from Sukuk. It is also from the track record that we've already seen that the choice or the preferred choice of issuance um, uh, when it comes to ESG coming from Islamic uh, finance um, active market, it comes on top of Sukuk. So I say I would say that the actual medium to long term trend is still intact because you have investors that are interested in Islamic finance and you have still investors interested in ESG internationally. That is a, a, a key driving factor on the investor side. And as I mentioned on the other side, you have the issuer side that are whether governments trying to diversify their funding, achieve their sustainability goals or private sector, uh, whether corporates, financial institutions, trying to attract a wider investor uh, base, i.e. Islamic plus ESG sensitive one, or many or some of them developing their own actual sustainability and ESG related uh, objectives that they want to pursue. So I think over the medium to long term, the trend that we saw in the past few years is going to continue. Um, it's, it's trajectory. Volatility is definitely something that is having a bearing. We will you the market, whether Sukuk or ESG-related uh, Sukuk, is not cocooned from what's happening. You will have periods where, where the market will have will be on pause. You'll have periods where uh, the market could go down. But the trajectory over the medium to long term is expected to be, uh, I would say, a growth story, specifically if the government uh, pursued their uh, objectives and the funding gap has... It, it has has its own uh, dimension that will support the Islamic finance industry and the ESG finance industry in this, in this part of the world. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's all the questions I have for today. Do you have anything else to add? I, I think it's, uh, it would be interesting to see if the Islamic finance industry uh, takes, I think that one of your questions earlier, takes a, a more solid stand to say, to look more on what they do and build awareness and, and, and have strategies to say, in the Islamic finance industry, these are things that we already have that could be appealing to the wider audience. So maybe it's it worth seeing if the industry is going to be looking first inside and identify these initiatives and these specific uh, drivers that could be appealing for the wider uh, audience. Or not, because that is, I, I think, is key to the growth of the industry other than Sukuk. So the Islamic banking side, the, 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 the waqf side, the zakat waqf. Is it something that's going to be realized on a bigger scale? And will we see the international uh, responsible finance 
uh, recognizing these specific traits in Islamic finance and adopting them or not. But the first step needs is the is industry and the stakeholders need to showcase their case. And then we the other step is to see if that's going to be accepted or not. Uh, so that these two things are an interesting, I would say, milestones to watch if they are materialized or not. And if they are materialized, you could actually take the industry uh, on a faster track growth uh, than what we expect. For sure. Definitely an area to keep an eye on. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Bashar. It's been great talking to you. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.